I cannot believe how close we are to the beginning of the busy season. At least we're coming in hot on my own personal busy season in photography. And around this time every year, I start to kind of anticipate what I know will be some pretty significant stress. And I think that that's true for almost all the photographers that I know, whether that stress has to do with the fact that they have a to-do list 10 miles long, or maybe they're stressed because they're not as booked as they'd like to be, and they know that this is the time of year to really kind of make the money. And I could not be more excited, therefore, to introduce you today to Heather Lautenen. Heather is the founder of the Flourish Academy. She has been a wedding photographer for years and years, and she is coming on the podcast today to share her seven strategies to reduce stress in your business. So this is an episode that you're going to want to listen to now, and then you're going to want to star it so that you can come back to it in a month or a couple of months and give yourself that much needed exhale that we all need at some point in the last quarter of the year. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin, and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it, and I can show you how. Heather, welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be here. Oh, my goodness. Well, this is um, a very fun, very meaty topic that we are diving into today, and one that I actually haven't really gotten a chat with anybody about in a long while. We are going to kind of dive in on in like the imposter syndrome and overwhelm and all that stuff. And I feel like this could not be more timely as we head into busy season. So I'm really grateful that you were able to make the time to come on the show. Yeah, that's right. We're getting ready to kick off our season. And as you know, a lot of photographers, especially as the season picks up and we head into the summer and the fall, the fall, the fall, oh my goodness, everybody gets so overwhelmed. Now, this is generally a good problem because it means mm-hmm. you have clients. Right. So you're working and you have clients and you're you're feeling overwhelmed and maybe even a little bit out of control. Like it's not mm-hmm. within your control, but the truth is you, you're your own boss and you set your schedule. So if things feel overwhelming to you, then that's great news in that you can take control of it and you can change things so that it works more with your lifestyle. Because isn't the whole point, the entire purpose of having your own business is to have freedom, flexibility, and options. If you take those away from yourself, then we probably need to have a discussion. Right. No, absolutely. And I mean, I think that there are two types of overwhelm. I'm sure there's more, but I think of two different types of overwhelm when it comes to the busy season. One is the people who are, yeah, they're in that like, oh, what a nice problem to have. You have so many clients, you're you know freaking out because you have no personal time. But on the flip side, I remember all too well what it felt like when I was starting out and I would hear other photographers talk about like, oh, I'm so busy. Oh, woe is me. 
And they're so overwhelmed by that. And I would get overwhelmed feeling like, where are all the people in my calendar? Like, uh, I'm behind. I'm behind. If I don't book now, like if I don't start getting phone, my phone to ring or my email inbox to ping or whatever, then I'm going to be a year out before the busy season hits again. And like, I've missed my chance. And so there are so many different kinds of overwhelm or failure or imposter syndrome or whatever that I feel like comes up for photographers at this time of year. And I just feel like you're the perfect person to kind of talk us through that a little bit. But since not everybody here knows you and knows why you're the perfect person to talk about that, I would love for you to just jump in and give kind of your, you have such a great backstory. First of all, you've been in this business for a lot longer than I'm trying to think of, uh, you may be, you may be the longest term photographer that I've had on the show thus far, which is saying something. Is that right? But, um, it might be. I think so. And, um, but so you've been around the block a long time and you have a great origin story that I feel like kind of speaks to this. So I'm going to zip my mouth and let you jump in. Yes. Thank you. So I'm coming up on almost 20 years of being in business, which is just, that's two decades on me. That's like crazy. How did that happen? Well, uh, my degree is actually mechanical engineering and I also have a business degree and I was working a corporate job in engineering and I enjoyed my work as much as one could enjoy bridges, which is (laughs) the industry (laughs) I was in. And I had my daughter, my first child Mm -hmm. and like many other people, I wanted to get a camera so I could take better photos of her. And I, of course, didn't know what I was doing. It was a point-and-shoot camera. I took photos of her. Okay, that's great. I was working my corporate job. And then I had this really interesting thing happen where I showed up at my cousin's wedding and I was like, oh, who's your photographer? I was just curious. I had a three-month-old baby on my hip and she said, oh, we were hoping you would take photos. And I said- At, at the wedding. At the wedding. I said, <laughs> Excuse me? That information would have been useful yesterday. But yeah, I'll take pictures. Now, this thing, this is a small backyard wedding, right? It's very low key. Right. And I had a point and shoot camera. I took some photos. I had a lot of fun. They loved their photos. I took those photos into work. And one of my coworkers said, Hey, what have you do? What are you doing in three weeks? I'm getting married and we don't have a photographer. And I said to her, um, okay, I have a point and shoot camera, Canon PowerShot G3. I could literally ruin your wedding. Are you sure you're okay with that? And she said, well, we weren't going to hire a photographer, so your photos will be better than none. Oh, mm-hmm. all right. I'm in. Okay. Yeah. So I photographed that wedding and sets the bar low. <laughs> right. Exactly. The bar was really low. And I set the expectations low. I said, I'm, yeah. I, don't, I don't have any idea what I'm doing. I had a lot of fun. They tipped me. So I didn't charge because I didn't feel mm-hmm. right about it. They tipped me $500 and I just thought that was amazing. That year I photographed three weddings for friends and family. And the next year I photographed 30. And I had to wow. essentially leave my job because, well, I had to make a choice. You know, it was right. like going to pursue being an entrepreneur and having a photography business or staying corporate. And, and I struggled with that for a minute because I, I call myself an accidental photographer and an accidental entrepreneur. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I was having fun. And mm-hmm. isn't that why everybody gets into photography? Because it's fun. Right. <laughs> you want to take photos and deliver them to people and make people's lives better and they react to your photos and it feels great. So I left my job. I hit six figures in my business pretty quickly. I wish I could say that was due to skill on me. I do. But the truth is the photos were terrible. <laughs> I got business not because I was a good photographer. How could I have been? I just started. I mean, right. I started and then I purchased a Canon 10D, my first DSLR, and I, which is a terrible camera. And I was photographing and the, the photos were okay, you know, but they weren't great. I was just learning. I realized very quickly that I was really good in business and with people. 
mm-hmm. and the, the the photos were were important, but they were kind of second to that. So mm-hmm. I think people hired me because of my excitement, my passion, and my energy. I had way more belief in myself than I should have, <laughs> but I just knew. You know what I knew? You know what I, I thought? Well, I'm going to get better. Surely I'm going to get better. I'm going to. I believed that I could figure it out. I guess you know. I if I pass engineering classes at Penn State. I thought, well, I could do anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, how hard could it be? Huh, this can't be that hard. That's where the podcast name comes <laughs> from. <laughs> I mean, that's what I thought. No, I mean, sure. it, there were certainly challenges, you know, and I don't want to minimize that. But, you know, so bringing this around to overwhelm, it's so funny that you pointed out the two different types of overwhelm. It's like either I have too much or not enough, but I'm never mm-hmm. quite happy, right? And right. I think overwhelm at its core is simply a lack of clarity. What do I want? What is the vision for my business? What are the goals? So lack of focus comes from lack of clarity and no one feels good in that situation. Mm -hmm. So it leads to this generalized feeling of stress and overwhelmed, which is, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I should be doing. I don't know where I'm headed and I'm confused. So if you could just ask yourself, you know, where do I need more clarity? Where am I lacking clarity? How could I gain more clarity? I think these are better questions than just saying, you know, why me? <laughs> or or I'm so overwhelmed. I mean, what are your thoughts? No, absolutely. And I I feel like the um the over I love what you say about overwhelm comes from this lack of clarity because my brain immediately started thinking about the way I work with a lot of people when it comes to sales and pricing and all that sort of thing. And a lot of people feel overwhelmed when I talk about running your, running their numbers. And so often it just comes down to the fact that like once they run them, once they see them, even if what they're seeing is not comfortable or makes them feel like, Oh, uh Oh, like how am I going to make this work? they lose the overwhelm because at least they have the clarity. So I think that that's such, it's great to start there with just like, well, you have to get clear on what it is that's causing this feeling of overwhelm. Um, And splitting that into two, you know, is it a lack of, if is it a lack or an overabundance of work or whatever um, also is a good driver for clarity because I feel like what happens is we allow other people's goals to, to creep into our own minds and set the standard for what we're aiming for, whether it's like, Oh, I need to be shooting three sessions a weekend, or I need to be making six figures a year or whatever. Like that may not be your goal. And so if you hear that over and over from other photographers, it starts to tell you that like, you don't know what you're, you don't know what your goals are or your goals are wrong or something like that. And I feel like that can lead to overwhelm as well. That's why I love your system because it's simple and simple means you gain clarity and it's understandable. And when people are looking at other photographers or, you know, following one specific path, it's because they are making a huge assumption. And that assumption is that there is a right or wrong way to do this. And you have done an excellent job at pointing out both in your courses and in your podcast that there's not, I I heard you say it, you were, Mm -hmm. you said there's not a right or wrong way to do this. Essentially, there are just different choices that lead to different outcomes. And that's up to you to decide what works for you. And I especially loved, if anyone hasn't caught this episode, you did two episodes talking about the donkey, the workhorse and the unicorn. By the way, I've been all three. And (laughs) yeah. 
I loved in the second, your more recent episode that you did to clarify it, you said that you had been all three and you, you figured out that, listen, the goal is not always to be the unicorn because you might get to that and then realize this is not working for me in my life or my season, you know, depending on what, what's going on with your family. And so you reevaluated and you're like, no, I need to structure this differently. And I have a lot of respect for you here because you said like, well, the traditional models aren't working for me. So I've got to figure out a way that works for me. You literally invented a system. That's <laughs> awesome. That's amazing. Aww, yeah, thanks. I love that. Yeah. Oh, that means a ton. And I, I love that those um, little avatars seem to make some of that a little easier for people to, to like get. wrap their brain around. Yeah, no, yeah. I loved it. I thought, yeah, I've done all three. And I thought mistakenly, I thought the goal was always to be a unicorn. Like, why would you, right. not, why would you not do that? But then you realize you had said, you know, if you, you have this boutique business, you're spending a lot of time, you know, with one client and yes, it does pay off because you have higher sales, but maybe that doesn't work for you in your season and you have to mm -hmm. come up with a different way. And you might, and by the way, these seasons could ebb and flow. You might be a workhorse this year, unicorn next year, donkey the year after. I mean, yeah. and it's all good. It's, it just depends mm -hmm. on you. Listen, you're the boss of you. You can do whatever you want. If it's working for you, then great. But don't just blindly follow what you hear. Do you remember this back in the day when, when IPS became a thing and everybody's like, you have to do IPS. Right. If you don't, you are stupid. <laughs> right. I mean, that was And also like a hack. I felt like there was a lot of judgment about, you yes. know, back then it was called shoot and burn. It wasn't called all inclusive. And it was like, if you're a real photographer, you would never do that. That's right. It's like, well, right. what about the people who don't have the time or the interest in sitting down with every single one of their clients and, you know, doing this whole song and dance about, <laughs> about you need these frames on your wall. Like that's just, it's an, uh, it's black and white thinking if we're going to put it into, so those it mind is. traps or thinking it traps. It is. Yeah. And, the, and, and, and you can't look at it that way because there are, you know, infinite shades of gray. So right. I actually was a boutique unicorn shoot and burn photographer. What? You said this <laughs> in that episode. You said, don't just equate it to price mm -hmm. because it depends on how you structure the model. So uh, at the time, I was charging $5,200 for my wedding package. They got their digital files and a proof book. Albums were separate. But I didn't sit down and do an IPS session with them. Mm -hmm. In fact, most of my brides were not local. They were from the area. They had moved away, but they were coming home to get right. married. So it wouldn't have worked. And this is before Zoom. And these things sure. didn't exist. So it was done via the phone and email. And um, I did great. And they were happy. Yeah. And everything was good. I personally, you know, I did weddings, so I wasn't in families. So I just didn't, I, I didn't feel like doing IP. Okay. I'm just going to say it straight up. I just didn't feel like doing it. I just didn't, didn't want to do it. Yeah. I didn't feel I like doing it. it. So I charged an appropriate rate so that I felt profitable. Now the argument is, did you leave money on the table? Possibly, possibly mm -hmm. I did, but I felt like I was running a pretty successful business. I was happy with where I was at. So I, I think that's all that matters, right? Absolutely. And I think that Probably, I imagine this is your experience, given that you've been doing this for as long as you have. A lot of times you'll try something and it'll work to some degree, right? Like it's not, it doesn't either work or fail. Most things it's like, well, this part of it worked and this part of it didn't work so well. And I like this, but I don't like this. 
And then you just iterate like, okay, well, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to tweak it a little bit and I'm going to try it this way. And to your point from before, that's my favorite thing about running a business. Like <laughs> you can do you that. Can just keep, you can keep trying. Yeah. You can keep kind of playing with it and aiming for perfect, which of course can be elusive, but at the same time, like the pursuit is a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a challenge. And I, mm-hmm. I, I like that challenge. And I think all entrepreneurs to some degree enjoy the challenge of figuring it out. But I do want to say, you know, there's also this, this side to overwhelm. that's a little bit tricky because, you know, overwhelm, at its core comes from lack of focus. Lack of focus comes from lack of priorities. Priorities are determined by goals. Where am I lacking clarity? These are all great ways to look at this. But then I call this the shadow side of overwhelm. Is it possible that you are choosing to feel overwhelmed because it is a fantastic excuse for not getting your stuff done? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or not addressing something you don't want to address? So you were saying earlier, like sometimes people don't want to look at the numbers. But yep they'll avoid it, even though when they do, they feel better. Okay. We know this, but they avoid it and they do it under the guise of overwhelm. It's like, I can't deal with this. I'm just too overwhelmed. There's so much happening in my business. Um, and I, you know, when I work with clients, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm very sympathetic, but then I'm also asking like, is, are you using that as an excuse? to not move forward because nobody questions you on it. So I'm known in my groups as this, like somebody referred to me as like a Navy SEAL wearing lace. Like I'm (laughs) I'm like really tough on them, like tough love, but I'm really sympathetic. I can understand that this is, this is a big deal and it's your business and it's, it means a lot to you, but don't come to me with your excuses. If you do understand this, you can keep your excuses or you can have progress, but you cannot have both. So pick one. And yeah. your excuses are, are real, legitimate. For instance, um, I have a friend who has very young children, so she's very busy. That's a real thing. Which, mm-hmm. Okay, that's a season. So where do you need your business to be in this season, recognizing that there might be some frustration because you can't take it where you want to just yet, but then telling yourself, this is a season. And it's temporary. Everything right. is. So it's always evolving. So it's never going to be this good or this bad ever again. It's just always going to be changing, which isn't that the fun of it? Hang on, guys. I have a quick message for you. Are you feeling stuck in your photography business? If you're bogged down or burned out or unsure what the next right step is, you're not alone. I've been there and I know firsthand that quicksand feeling where the harder you struggle, the more stuck you feel, which is why I created the Photographer's Business Plan Glow Up. The Glow Up is a five-part workshop designed specifically for photographers like you. In the Glow Up, I lead you step-by-step through a process that will help you clarify your goals, identify the sticking points that are holding you back, get inspired by some of the systems and strategies that are working today in the photography industry, and then create a completely custom roadmap to take you from where you are now to where you want to be. It truly is a glow up for your business. Getting perspective can be nearly impossible when you've got your nose to the grindstone day in and day out. So this short workshop is an opportunity to reset, reevaluate, and rejuvenate your business, and it's all on demand. If that sounds like exactly what you need right now, click the link in the show notes or go to go.thiscan'tbethathard.com slash glow to get started today. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that 
you say it's never going to be this good or this bad again. It's just never going to be the same. Like right. it's constantly evolving. There are always like new challenges. I mean, you and I, before we hit the record button, we're talking about the fact that we're both parents of teenagers. Like <laughs> that's another season. Um, and it's a different season and it's different challenges and whatever. Um, one of the things that I love not more specifically to the fact that we run these very small businesses. You know, I mean, you can be a small business owner and have a hundred employees or whatever. When you are running a business where it's just you or it's you maybe with like an assistant or an editor or something like that, you are so nimble. You're able to make mm-hmm. decisions and changes in a very quick manner. And, um, and I love that because I feel like it gives you this flexibility to say, oh, my kid's daycare schedule changed. I'm going to change up the policies in my business or whatever the case may be. Like it really, um, I think it as part of the reason that photography is attractive to so many um, new parents, not only because many times they're very inspired by their brand new subjects, but I think is that is that like the promise of flexibility. So um, I Gosh, I feel like we could talk about all of this stuff all day long and we're sort of circling around overwhelm. But I want to get back to this because we um, I think the crux of what we're getting at here is the fact that with all of this um, promise of freedom and promise of whatever, sometimes we self-sabotage with the word overwhelm. Oh, I love that. You are absolutely right. And I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. And she talks about how language, these are her words, not mine. She says, language doesn't just communicate emotion, it shapes emotion and it triggers reactions in our body. So if you are saying that you are overwhelmed, you are literally telling your body that things are happening too fast. We can't handle it. Shut down, shut down, shut down. There Mm -hmm. is a very important distinction here between stress and overwhelm. And so what I want to encourage photographers to do is number one, ask themselves, okay, am I stressed or um, am I at the extreme end of stress, which is overwhelm? In other words, am I overwhelmed or do I just have a lot to do? Right. Use a better word. I, I would argue that most of us use the word overwhelm to make it seem worse than it actually is so that people feel sorry for us. Whether you want to admit that or not, that's the truth. You want people to say, oh, look at you. You work so hard. Okay. You're overwhelmed, right? But you're actually triggering a response in your body that says, shut down, shut down. This is no, because the only way to cure overwhelm is to do nothing, is to just like take a break, whether that's 10 minutes or 10 days where you do nothing because you have so much on your plate. But ask yourself, is this really overwhelm? Or do I just have a lot to do? I actually taught this, speaking of teenagers, to my daughter who's in college and she gets overwhelmed with exams and finals and all of these things. And I I have exposed her to Brene Brown. And I said, she called me the other day and said, oh, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm so overwhelmed. And I said, is that true? Or could you find a better word? And she said, I'm stressed out, mom, I have a lot to do. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's a more accurate representation. So unless your body is about to hit the floor, I don't want you using the word overwhelm, like literally drop it from your vocabulary. Because when you use it, you it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're telling yourself you have too much to do. What you're telling yourself here on me is you can't handle it. 
You can't handle this. You yeah, can't handle it. About so say. guess what? Then you won't be able to handle it. And then it will just compound from there. So just take a deep mm-hmm. breath and catch yourself. It's fine to say, hey, I'm stressed out. I have a lot going on. Yeah, totally fair. Let's look at the schedule. Let's figure out what we need to do. Mm-hmm. But I would implore people to stop using the word overwhelmed. The last time, I'm not even kidding. This is going to sound like I'm exaggerating. I promise you I'm not. The last time I said I was overwhelmed, I woke up in an ambulance. <laughs> and um, I had no clue what had happened. It turns out I was saying I was overwhelmed. And I, I either made it happen or I was, I don't know. And my body, like game over, shut down. I ha- mm-hmm. I, I, I thought like, well, I fainted or something. No, I had a seizure. Like, and I have no oh, wow. history or like reason. To, um, my 13-year-old son at the time found me on the floor in my closet. They called 911. I woke up to a paramedic working on me and I was like, I'm overwhelmed. Oh, that's so scary. I bet. That's an accurate use of the word overwhelm. You know, and my body shut down. Okay. That's so extreme and so rare. So I say to my kids, I joke about everything. I use humor to deal with difficult situations. But I'm I'm like, listen, unless you're going to end up on the floor, don't tell me you're overwhelmed. You're just, Mm -hmm. you have a lot to do. Because when you're in overwhelm, you simply can't function, which means it becomes very counterproductive to even use the word. Mm-hmm. Instead, I have a lot to do and I'm stressed. Where am I lacking clarity? Mm-hmm. Where what priorities do I? And by the way, for photographers, this comes back. To, I will say to them, okay, you have all of these things you need to do. Understood? Are they contributing to leads and sales? It's the only thing you need to worry about. Le- right. Is this contributing to leads and sales? If the answer is no, put it aside. It can be worked on in the off season. Things like maybe updating your website right? Or, or changing your pricing that can be worked on in the future. Do what you have to do now, but ask yourself, is this contributing to leads and sales? No. Okay. Later. Is it something I need to be working on now? Yes. Okay. Then work on it. I mean, Mm -hmm. and use your best judgment, but don't just sit in this overwhelm. If you always say you have 2.3 seconds, (laughs) 2.3 seconds, figure it out. If you stay there, that's on you. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting that this doesn't happen to me. I feel stressed and maybe to the point of overwhelm. And then I say to myself, oh, I'm sensing something's off. What do I need? What mm-hmm. do I need? Or do I need a break? Or what do I need right. to focus on? Do I need to talk to a, a friend or someone like you about business? Like, hey, Anami, can you help me sort this through? You know, I'm just, I think that you should always have a friend or friends in the business. And I will never in my life be without a business coach. I think that you should always have someone, you know, someone like you that they could have in their corner that you could, they could turn to and say like, just help me sort through this. You talk it through and then it it becomes so much more manageable in the light Mm -hmm. of day. But if it stays in the dark recesses of your brain, it's, it's like looming. It's too big. You can't get a sense or feel for it. And that's overwhelm. But when you get it out and you put it on paper, stress is like, yeah, I've got a lot to do on my to-do list. That's awesome. That means I'm busy. I'm accomplishing things. You know, and sometimes the stress is like, I wonder if people are, they just don't trust themselves that they're working on the right thing. And they wonder, mm-hmm. should I be doing this? Should Mm -hmm. I be doing something else? Could you just trust yourself that you're working on the right thing? And if you did, maybe that would reduce some of the pressure and stress. Yep. Absolutely. I love this comment about like, you have to bring these things out of the dark. I was talking to my son just the other day about like only monsters grow in the dark. (laughs) Come on, let's talk this through. Um, And it is, it's so helpful just sometimes to like 
like word vomit it a little bit so that you can just kind of get it out of your brain, out of your, off your chest. And like, maybe you're lucky enough to have a partner or a friend who's willing to listen to that and can kind of hold that for you. But sometimes to your point, it really is important and necessary to have, if not a business, like a formal business coach at the very minimum, a, uh, a community of other people who are in similar fields who can kind of give you positive feedback. Because I think that we can be our own, uh, we can create a self-fulfilling negative prophecy, but then I see so many toxic environments in on social media and, you know, in I think Facebook in particular, these Facebook groups where the conversations run rampant and people are just like hurling essentially insults at each other about, you know, and this is supposed to be a photography group. Like, give me a break. Right. What are we doing right. here? So, um, so it's like kind of pick your, pick your, uh, pick pick the people you hang out with for sure. And um, when you're with a coach, it's kind of like seeing a therapist in the real world where like that person's entire focus is to hold space for you and help you find that clarity that you need. I couldn't agree more. And what I say in my groups is like, as your business coach, I want to hold your feet to the fire and, you know, call you out on your use of words and help you move forward. And if you need a hug, go call your mom. Because <laughs> I think you need different people in your life for different reasons. Yeah. You need peers. Oh, I had this friend. He had this, he said this really well. Oh, shoot. It was like, I need people that are beside me, before me and behind me. I need mm -hmm. them at all. I loved that. I need them at all levels because the people that are behind me, I can encourage them. The people that are beside me, we can talk through our similar issues. And the people that are before me or ahead of me, I can ask for advice and guidance that helps me, you know, gain some wisdom around where I want to take myself and my business. But I think the danger, at least it was for me, I don't know. Did you have this when you started like I, I didn't know about these communities or they didn't really exist. And I was just a complete island. It was just mm -hmm. me reading books, <laughs> trying sure. to figure out how to have a business. And once I found a community, um, so they had these like message boards before Facebook. Right. And I joined uh, one called the Digital Wedding Forum, the DWF. It was the first one of its kind because it was a paid message board. What? They were bold. Yeah. But they attracted some really amazing talent. And that's where I first started to learn about the power of community and being around the right people. And I also learned that there can be some pretty condescending photographers out there. <laughs> Sure. So I learned both sides to that, but choose wisely who you mm -hmm. put yourself around, depending on where you're at and what you need. Sometimes you need a hug and sometimes mm -hmm. you need a kick in the pants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I guess when I say that about some of these groups, it's, it doesn't seem like constructive kicks in the pants. <laughs> no, no, for sure It's more not. like a kick in the face in yeah, some of those situations. They're just mean. But... Some of them are just mean. Hey, I have this yeah. list though of seven ways to reduce stress. Can I share it with you? I would love that. Yes, yeah. please. So I first entitled this seven ways to reduce overwhelm. And then I literally laughed at myself because I had just got done saying, don't use the, don't word, say overwhelm. the word overwhelm. <laughs> so I want to say funny. seven ways to reduce stress that you are relating to overwhelm. But we've now Excellent. determined that we're no longer allowed to use that word. We just use the word stress. Language is very, very important. So um, some of these might seem... Um, silly or minor, but they, they really work. So you have to maybe even make your own list of things you can do to reduce stress for yourself. But the first way this is really important is to accept how you feel without judging yourself. So 
part of the problem becomes I'm stressed. And then the next thought is I shouldn't be stressed. I'm stupid because I'm stressed. Why am I an idiot? I can't figure this out. And then you, those are all judgments based on the mm -hmm. feeling. Instead, could you just say, I'm stressed because I have a lot to do and that's fair. And then drop a period at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Anything that comes after that statement is a story that you're telling yourself. And typically those stories are very destructive. They're not helping you to move forward. So can you just accept? Yeah, I'm, I'm a normal human. I have a lot to do and I'm stressed, period. Don't put a judgment on it because it multiplies the problem and it exaggerates the feeling, which then stress compounded, guess what? Does lead to overwhelm. So it that. makes sense that you end up landing there. But this one simple technique of like, just almost saying, I'm feeling stressed and I accept myself for it and I accept what I'm feeling, just don't judge it. So that's number one. The second is to create what I call an on my mind list. So I'm putting that in air quotes, on my mind, which is just to write down everything that is swirling around in your brain and get it on paper, get it out of the dark into the light. I don't know about you, Anami, but every time I do this, I look at it and I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> I think <laughs> I true. had that, yeah, I had that blown up way bigger in my brain than it actually, yeah. it's just like three things on my sheet of paper. And so I do it. But if you create this on my mind, just literally brain dump everything that's swirling around in your brain, personal and professional, just write them all down because then you can see them a little more clearly. Some of them you can cross off right away. Others you can delay. And then you can prioritize what's left. And you can say, I ask myself, which one of these, if I got it done, would make the rest easier? So it's essentially like pushing over the first domino. If I pushed over that first domino, the rest fall down much easier. So what is that? that? If I get yeah. that thing done, but you, you can't, tr you cannot trust me. You cannot do this in your brain without getting it on paper. You'll get yeah. confused. So you have to get it out of the dark. And some people are like, they're hesitant to do that because they don't think it matters, but it really does to see it on paper and to write it out. What, what are your thoughts on that one? I was just going to say, I 100% love this and I do this. I, when I am starting to, you know, when my brain is starting to push the word overwhelm at me, that is my key to sit down or my cue rather to sit down with a timer, brain dump everything, you know, and sometimes it'll be like, I need to take the car in to get the gas or the oil changed. Like those kinds of things are floating around in my mind. It's no big deal, but getting it out on paper, assigning it like this is what this is going to happen on Tuesday. This is going to happen on Friday. And knowing that it's going to get done is such like a freeing thing for me. It's like as, as soon as I have that plan, everything shrinks in terms of its um the weight that's on my mind. Yeah. It lightens you. I love that. Mm -hmm. It lightens you. You feel light because you're like, okay, I have it on the schedule. Things like that really get on my nerves. I got to tell you, if it's like change the oil, get the car inspected. I'm like, oh man, I got to do that. Just get it on the schedule and get it done. I'm a yeah. big believer in whatever you can get done right now, do it. So like why mm -hmm. put off for tomorrow? What can be done today? Mm -hmm. Just like get it done because then it just lightens the overall load because you know that you could have a bunch of things to do. And then one minor thing just <laughs> pushes you over the edge where if you just yep. kept up with it, it would be a lot lighter. Totally. Okay. Number three is to, uh, okay. Stay with me here. Take a break. 
Okay. Do you need to just walk away from your computer mm-hmm. or social media? So what I do in these, I love to work by the way, love, 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 love. I would, if I did not have a family, there are six people that live in my home. My parents live with us. We live on a homestead. We have animals. We're very busy. But if I didn't have all of that, chances are I would work nonstop because I yeah. love it. I really enjoy yeah. it. So this is difficult for me, but here's what I do because I have to be productive. This is actually hilarious. My therapist says, maybe you could just take a break and relax. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I have zero chill. I have to be productive. So when I say take a break, I go organize a drawer mm-hmm. or do something that feels like something that's a short, quick win. So everybody yeah. has a junk drawer, you know, it's usually in your kitchen. If you just said like, I need to walk away from this social media strategy I'm trying to put together, this Facebook ad or whatever. I'm going to go organize that drawer, maybe even put on some music, drink a bunch of water. I'm telling you, sometimes I will grab a glass of water, chug it, put on some music, organize a drawer. In a couple of minutes, you will feel Mm -hmm. so much better, which means when you come back to your task at hand, you will be able to tackle it more effectively. If you are feeling stressed, you are not effective. You you mm-hmm. can't be. Your brain is not in the right place. So take a break, go organize a drawer or something simple. I mean, that's what I know. Can you think of another example? Maybe we could give like. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I like you like to make these little bits of time productive in their own ways. Um, it's often it's like my family makes fun of me about my weekend activities, which are things like, oh, it's just a lazy Saturday. We're going to like completely renovate the, you know, we're going to do a whole new landscaping project in the backyard or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I find similarly where it's like, okay, great. The house needs to be vacuumed. So, you know, I'm going to vacuum the downstairs for 15 minutes and that's going to make me feel like something got done, but I stepped away and was able to feel accomplished. I know that I heard somebody, and I'm going to butcher this, one time talking about how um, one of the keys to, to countering stress or whatever is to become productive in a different realm. So if you're stressed about like one part of your life, try and do something tangible and productive in another area. And that will like give you the ability to take the steps to to like get going on the other thing. Yeah, like it like breaks the the intense focus you have on getting something done that's really difficult. It puts it on something else. You then feel accomplished. You come back refreshed. I love the vacuuming too because it's really clear. You know, you can see right. that the, the carpet looks nice. It's clean yep. or you've dusted. Every, you light a candle. It smells good. And it just puts you in a different frame of mind to go back to the task and tackle it more effectively. Right, exactly. Okay, number four is maybe you need to just spend 10 to 15 minutes prioritizing. So you've made that list, you're looking at it, you're feeling stressed because there's a lot. Could you ask yourself, what three things could I get done today that I would feel great about? So if nothing else, I actually do, this is, this is my approach every morning. I do it the night before, I write three things I'd like to accomplish. And if I if I only got those three things done, I would feel great. Now, yep. you know, when you do this, typically what happens is you have those three things done by 10 a.m. <laughs> sure. And then the rest of the day is like bonus. And then I feel ahead. And when I feel ahead, I feel like on top of the world. That yeah. good feeling just compounds and I get more. You know, feelings beget feelings. Money begets money. Clients beget clients. All of those things. So the better I feel about what I'm accomplishing, the more I accomplish. So I know that. I set the three things. What are the three things? Okay. If you're truly feeling like, whoa, this is too much, 
is it one thing? If you looked mm -hmm. at that list, what's the domino? What mm -hmm. is the one thing that if you got done, you'd be like, oh, at least I got that done because then you would feel better about it. So maybe it's not stress from too many things to do. Maybe you just need to prioritize the list. And maybe some yeah. of those things could be pushed off to next month, next week, next year. I don't know. Does it have to be done today? Is it contributing to leads and sales? So these are just a series of questions I ask myself when I'm, when I'm in this frame of mind. And I want to flip what you're saying back when we were talking at the beginning about overwhelm can be from like too much to do. And it can also be from this state of like, I want, I want more clients. I want whatever. And I'm overwhelmed because I don't even know how to make that happen. What you're talking about, about prioritizing activities, you know, I think a lot of people in that phase of or in that season of their business, which can come back around, it doesn't not always a linear process. But um, when you are in that uh, sort of famine cycle where you're feeling you're approaching everything from this sense of scarcity or whatever to list out the activities that are in your mind, the activities or the, the projects or whatever the case may be. You, you make a list of them, you brain dump, like these are the things I could be doing. What are those top three? What are the activities that are going to give me the most leverage? And I'm going to tackle those now. And that it does. It's your, you know, progress begets progress. Like once you start down the path, you can make some progress. But if you are stuck in that state of like, I don't know what to do and I just feel overwhelmed, then that's not going to serve you at all. So you're just going to stay stuck both there. ways. Yeah, right. absolutely. Right. Okay. Number five is to laugh. Like, do you remember the last time <laughs> you laughed so hard you cried, like belly laugh? Can you remember? Oh, yes. I love it. It's one of my favorite feelings as the like, my cheeks hurt, my cheeks yes. hurt, stop. Yes. Yeah. Like I'm going to die laughing so hard. So um, I will occasionally put, oh, this leads into number six. Number six. So I'm going to talk about these together. Number six is to exercise or move your mm -hmm. body, get up, take, I have been known to in extreme frustration, just walk circles around the outside of my house mm -hmm. <laughs> because I just need to burn off something. But the laughing and exercise, what in extreme cases, I will get on the treadmill and I'll put old Steve Harvey YouTube videos on my iPad. <laughs> and the dude is so funny. And this was back before things needed to be politically correct. So, you know, mm -hmm. brace yourself, but um, hilarious. And you laugh so hard and you're moving your body. I promise you walking and laughing will shift everything almost instant. I mean, really, really quickly. The last time I belly laughed though, my son and I, he's 14, we were <laughs> talking in Russian accents mm -hmm. and my daughter who is um, easily annoyed Maybe you're familiar with this. These teenagers are easily the annoyed. The 19-year-old girl? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm all you have to do is look that. at her and she's annoyed. But so Evan and I are talking in our Russian accents and Ella is like, you guys stop it. You guys cut it out. And we could not stop. Like I was no. trying to talk normal and I couldn't. And I couldn't breathe. Evan and I were laughing so hard and she was so annoyed, which made it even funnier. <laughs> right, totally. <laughs> it was great. It was great. And that just breaks that breaks tension. So that was it five does. and six was, those are pretty straightforward, I think, to laugh mm -hmm. and to move your body. And then finally, number seven is, okay, could you put this in a larger context? You know, before we, we hit record, you were saying this, and I love this, like, am I performing neurosurgery? Okay. Right. No, we are photographers. 
we are absolutely impacting lives, but we are not curing cancer. So could you take some pressure off of yourself and just have a chuckle at how serious you're taking this when I, I appreciate that you take it seriously, but could you just chill out for a second and realize what you're running a photography business. And by the way, nobody knows if you're doing it good, bad, whatever, you know, if right. you're winning, right. losing, however you want to frame it, nobody knows that, but you. So you, and you can do it any way you want because it's typically only you. There's a lot of solopreneurs. So, um, maybe relax. I mean, I don't know. It's just an idea. Could you put this in a larger context? Recently, my son was complaining about something and uh, we had a friend who battled a very serious rare form of cancer and he was having surgery and they had to like remove some of his organs while they're doing the surgery, like put them back in. It was like really weird. So I said to Evan, are all of your organs on the inside of your body? And right. he said, yes. And I said, then you are fine. You are fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I don't want to minimize anyone's feelings. Your feelings are valid. This is what my therapist says. Your feelings are valid, but could you put it in a larger context and just like understand if you're, if you are operating in integrity with your clients, meaning you're showing up, yeah. you're delivering what you say you're going to deliver, you know, you're being judicious with everything in your business, then you're doing a great job, you know, relax and remember why you got into this. Yeah. Why did you get into photography? Because it was fun. Why did you start a business? Because you wanted to take what you thought was fun and make some money. Okay. So keep it fun. What is it possible for it to be fun and serious in a real business at the same time? I believe the mm -hmm. answer to that is yes. I agree 100%. And I love that your number one and your number seven kind of bookend this in such a nice way, because on in the very first step, you are acknowledging your feelings and you are kind of holding space for your feelings and you are giving, I always like to say, you know, talk to myself the way that I would talk to a friend. Like, it's totally fine that you feel stressed. Even if in the bigger context, like, okay, sure, we're not performing neurosurgery, like that's real stress. And I love the fact that in many cases, our stress as photographers comes from our really deep desire to serve our clients and create this amazing experience for people and this, you know, product that is going to potentially last generations or whatever, like those are really lofty goals. And so the stress that comes along with that is valid. However, <laughs> You take it through this cycle of like, let's go, you know, run a mile or um, have a dance party in the living room. Let's make lists. Let's, you know, prioritize our stuff, like all those different things. And in the end, take a breath and be like, all right, I'm going to give myself grace. It's not the end of the world. I think that all of that can happen in the span of even just a few minutes and can change the way that you feel so profoundly. So this is ugh, it's so, so good. Thank you. And I love the way that you noticed that it was bookended that way. I kind of want to sit here and say, yeah, on me, I totally did that on purpose. No, I had no <laughs> clue. I did not recognize that until you just pointed it out. But now I'm going to say it like, look, I've bookended this, of course, <laughs> accept yourself, but put it in a larger context and be easy on yourself, but hold yourself to account. So, I mean, just, have fun. Just relax and have fun. You're the boss of yeah. you. You have complete freedom. You have options. You have flexibility. That's amazing. Congratulations. I think you've made it. Everything else is just icing on the cake. It is 100%. Oh, Heather, this has been just like truth bomb after truth bomb. I love it so much. 
So let everybody know where they can find you and tell us a little bit about the Flourish Academy. Oh, absolutely. If you just go to flourish.academy, that's the website, or you can look up the Flourish Academy on Facebook. You can find our free community there. I also have a YouTube channel. So I teach craft and business. If you come into the Flourish Academy membership, we have 16 courses to help you get better at photography. That includes editing. So I actually started out by creating these editing courses, extensive editing courses in Lightroom and Photoshop. I'm an Adobe certified expert in Photoshop. I love the edit. I think it is so fun. But what I love even more is for you to be efficient at it <laughs> and not right. waste your life away. Part of your overwhelm is because when you photograph a session, you're like, I'm going to be in front of the computer forever. And I don't want that for you. So I'm really big into systems, processes, and automation. So you can check out the Flourish Academy. I also have a podcast. But unlike yours, which is amazingly dedicated to <laughs> photographers and their business, I talk a lot about the mindset behind it mm -hmm. and what's driving behavior. So it's actually, I think, a perfect complement to your podcast yeah. is that like you're doing the strategy in the business and I'm explaining why sometimes that doesn't always work for everyone and what you can do instead. So uh, I would love it if people would take a listen there. And if you would like to work directly with me, if you'd like to have a quick conversation, I actually just started offering a one-off Zoom call where we can talk for 45 minutes and I can help you, point you in the direction of resources. And those resources may not be from me. I want to make sure you're getting the resources that you need. So if you go to flourish.academy slash RX, that stands for prescription. <laughs> I will help you talk through your, I'll talk with you through your challenges. And then I'll give you some suggestions on where you might want to head next. No commitment. Amazing. So good. Uh, Heather, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure to get to chat with you. And, uh, and I know that this is going to be super valuable for people, especially in this season, but really at any time. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Have a great day. Well, that's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode, along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash learn. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by leaving a review in iTunes. And as always, Thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.